All right, welcome in, uh, Internet friends. It's Wednesday night. This is the 573 Report presented by 573Tees.com on PowerMizzou.com's YouTube channel. Uh, check out 573Tees.com. I mean, like, there's 36 hours left till Christmas, so if you didn't do it by now, I, I'm going to be honest with you, you kind of screwed up, but do your best to get a present delivered like January 4th or something like that. And and uh, they got some good stuff. So uh, Gabe DeArmond here in Columbia, Mitchell Forty, somewhere in uh, Northern California uh, for Christmas. So uh, just proof that we can do this from anywhere. That's right. Yeah, I uh, I traded out the uh, cold for some sunshine. So not too ha- not too unhappy about it. Yeah, it was like fifty five and sunny here, and now it's like twenty seven. Oh really? So, oh, yeah. I was gonna say. Yeah. yeah. Well, it it got significantly worse, but. Uh, yeah, this is the final show of 2020. Uh, Mitch and I are opting out of next Wednesday's show to cover a bowl game and a basketball game. Well, I mean, we think. I, I'd say at this point we're pretty confident we'll cover a basketball game and like maybe kind of confident we'll cover a football game and even maybe a little bit less confident than that that we'll cover a football game against Iowa. Yeah, yeah, it's uh... – you know, I mean, it's just typical for this year, right? Like we always say, you know, you, you get you can't ever tell, you know, if or who someone's going to play more than about 72 hours in advance and we're still a week out. So, of course, nothing's decided. Um, yeah, I mean, Iowa has uh, suspended all football activities through the end of this week. Um, to be fair, I don't think Mizzou is doing any football activities this no. week either because everyone is home. So, uh, you know, we'll see if Iowa gets its COVID issues cleared up. Um, they said they still wanted to play. Mizzou, obviously, it's going to depend what the testing numbers look like once people come home from Christmas. You know, they're already down a few players. Uh, I mean, played last week with something around 52, something around 52 players. So, uh, yeah, we will see. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about football and and uh, the bowl game and who's not playing and all that. Uh, do want to invite you? Obviously, we've got some comments and questions and all that. So uh, please uh, throw those in there, and, and we will catch up with them throughout the show. Josh Fan is uh, wishing us a Merry Christmas, so that is uh, quite thoughtful of him. It's the nicest thing anybody's ever said to us on this show, I think. So, other than Bob Douglas saying everything to Mitchell, right? But, uh, but yeah, uh, obviously, happy holidays to all you guys. Appreciate you kind of kicking off Christmas break here with us. And this, like, this is the first week to me. I, I know there's a football game next week, and bowl games are happening and all that. But it now seems like basketball season to me. I've I've kind of turned the page and. And we'll talk about football, but it. Uh, other than if you're one of four teams who was were determined, I believe uh, March 3rd was the official date they named the top four in the college football playoff. Unless you're one of those four teams, I, to me, it's basketball season at this point. Yeah, definitely, and especially if you know your basketball season's going well, like Missouri's is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, people will watch the bowl game, but but at this point, you know, bowl games have certainly kind of lost their luster and especially this season. Um, so our attention will turn to basketball. I mean, case in point, you know, there's a, a, a basketball game on the same day as Missouri's bowl game, as you mentioned. And I think that is a much higher priority or should be to, yeah. to a lot of Missouri fans, because that will be a very revealing test in the sec opener against Tennessee. Yeah. The basketball game is, is I think the headline event that day, which is kind of mm-hmm. interesting. And, and we'll start there with last night. Uh, David says, glad Mizzou got a lousy game out of the way before conference. And, you know, I was, uh, I, I was there last night and I, 
I was surprisingly impressed, even before Bradley got ahead, you know, by eight points with three minutes left. Like, I think that's a pretty good Bradley team. I mean, they had a seven-footer who, you know, most of the time, let's be honest, when you see a seven-footer, you're like, he's real tall, but he's not very coordinated. I'm not sure he's actually very good at basketball. But uh, that kid, was, he was a good player from Bradley, and they, they got up and down. They were athletic. They were quick. They... uh they did have a span where they put the ball in the basket, which put them significantly ahead of Missouri. Now, neither team did it for most of the night, but Bradley had a good 10 to 12 minute stretch where they did it a few times. Yeah. First things first, you know, Bradley's not just your total, you know, mid-major pushover. I mean, right. they've won the Missouri Valley conference two years in a row, which is, a, you know, solid conference, oh, yeah. not, not bottom of the barrel by any means. Um, you know, they had some experience, they have some size, they've, they uh, they lost to Xavier by one point, and I forget. I think it was maybe Toledo. Someone they beat another top 100 team this year. Um, so you know, definitely not uh, you know the most alarming thing to be in a close game with them. I think what's most incredible is that Missouri shot. I think it was you know like it, I think it was 28 percent or something like that, and and won. I mean, it was their lowest it, it, you know effective field goal percentage. Uh, I think dating back to like 2015, it was lower than the game that they lost to Kentucky by 59. That, in that was the worst game I've ever seen. They, they play, technically, like in some measures, they played worse yesterday, but still won. So, yeah. I mean, like you obviously don't want to see that type of performance <laughs> right. again moving forward, but the fact that you can, you know, have hopefully your worst shooting performance of this season since it was your worst in about five years and still pull out a win is, I guess, somewhat promising. Yeah, they, they shot the actual field goal percentage for the game was 25.4. Okay. Um, and it was actually worse than that to get to 25.4 for the game. They made three of their last four shots. So they started right, right. 13 for 59. Um, and after the game, we were looking at some numbers and Dave matter went back through games. It was the lowest field goal percentage he could find in a win going back eight years. And at that point he got tired of going back. Right. Um, and there was that Kentucky game and there was a, the infamous North Carolina central game. They actually shot a worse uh -huh. percentage, but they lost. Um, yeah. That was the, uh, the, what's the guy's name? Lavelle Moten. Mm -hmm. That was when mm -hmm. we all got to meet him. He was an yeah. excellent guy. Really liked him. Um, decent. Well, I don't want to say decent basketball team. Certainly better than, than that Missouri team. Um, but so they're down eight with 344 left. And I think at that point, I think a lot of people had given up. I, I didn't think the game was over. I just thought like Missouri might need, an hour to score eight points. I don't know if they can do that, but Conto said something pretty interesting after the game. So I, they were down 53 49 with a minute and a half left. And I actually said in the, in the updates, I, I said, I think Missouri can win this game, but they can't let Bradley score anymore, right? Like they can get to 55, but they can't get past 55. So you can't let Bradley score again. They didn't. Um, they ended the game on a, on a 10, one run. And Conto said after the game, we're not an elite defensive team, but we have the pieces. And he said, we, if you look at these games, when we've had to get stops, we buckle down and gotten them. Now, the next step is feeling like we have to get them throughout the game because mm -hmm. that would, what makes an elite defensive team. And like when push came to shove, they played really good defense for the first yeah. 17 minutes of the second half. They played frankly, pretty awful defense. Yeah. They played it when they had to play it. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think, well, first of all, that's, a, you know, it's a, a very, uh, 
you know, good, you know, thing to have as part of your team is the ability to buckle down and get stops when you have to have them. Um, you know, I, I definitely get what Conzo is saying and I get, you know, yeah, they, they really didn't play very good defense or else the second half Bradley actually shot the ball well for the first, I don't know, 16 minutes or so of that half. Uh, that said, I do think that, you know, I, I, most people would say, looking at the numbers, the problem with the team last night was not that it didn't play good enough right. defense for a full 40 minutes. It's that it could not make a shot to save its yeah. life. Uh, but still, like, you know, yeah, that, that is, I mean, you know, Conzo Martin coach team is always going to be good on the defensive end. So uh, you certainly wouldn't expect that to be any different. As Stuart West brings up a good point, said Elijah Childs could play on a lot of rosters. He's a really good player. There's, there is absolutely no question. Uh, and Bradley has, I, I think, a couple guys that would, would play and maybe even start for Missouri. Um, the, I, I was surprised but like I knew they didn't shoot the ball well last night obviously and mm -hmm. I knew they hadn't been a good three-point shooting team this year but then I went back and looked and like all we could talk about every night last year was how awful Missouri was shooting the three they're actually actually measurably worse this year they are 1.3 yeah. percentage points behind last year which was the worst three-point team three-point shooting team in school history um <laughs> Yeah, it's still a little bit of a small sample size. They were ahead of we're that getting there the last night, but I mean, not by much. I mean, they've been bad at shooting all year, and and you know, like we're getting ahead of ourselves with this, but like that's been the one thing that I've said. Like that's what really scares me about this team in a tournament right. setting is because they are liable to go really cold for you know a one night every few games, and and that's hard to overcome when you're playing against a you know a good team or for six minutes every night. And yeah. again, like you can get away with that against a 14 seed in the first round, but against a six seed in the second round, you can't. Um, opponents are going to sag and make Mizzou hit threes. I, no question. Now, I, I want to actually give Mizzou credit for, I want to say a 10 to 12 minute stretch. Like I was looking out there and noticeably guys were passing up open three point shots to drive the lane. They were getting fouled. They were do, doing everything right. And then... They came down the floor down two with 15 seconds left. And the way I described it in, in what I wrote last night was Mark Smith pump faked a semi-guarded three to attempt an even more guarded three. And I mean, by far, even after the game, like Conzo laughed when we, and this is where you laugh when you win and you're angry yeah. if you lose. But somebody said, is that the shot that was planned? And now look, when you ask that question, you know, that's not the shot that's planned, but you have to let the coach say it. And he just laughed and said, no, that was not the shot. That was definitely not by design. I mean, so yeah. I'm not sure what was worth that or Mark Smith, like inexplicably almost turning the ball over with five seconds left. Yeah. So, yeah, to your first point, I do think that's a sign of progress for Missouri that they were actively, you know, when they weren't shooting well and playing a team that's really good guarding the two and mm -hmm. that got the memo of that's how you guard Mizzou is by not is by making them shoot threes. You know, there are times when last year's team in that scenario jacks up 28 threes, 35 threes in a game. Right. So good that they didn't do that. Um, that, that last second to last possession though was absolutely terrible. Mm -hmm. I mean, the ball, you're, you're down. I think they were down two yeah. with, uh, they got the ball back with what? 20 seconds, left, 23 seconds, seconds left. or something. Yeah. You know, plenty of time. The ball never went inside the three point arc, not once. Yeah. And, and like you said, you end up with Mark Smith taking the guarded 22 footer. Yes. He's your best three point shooter. But as a team at that point, <laughs> you're like three night. of 21 from three. Yeah. So that, that is, that was bad. They got kind of bailed out that they got another shot. And then, yeah. you know, 
half court scare aside, they did run the right offense, which yeah. was, you know, give the ball to Xavier Pinson and let him get to the rim and either shoot himself or find someone else. And kudos to Jared Tillman, by the way, that was yeah. a tough shot. Like yeah. as far as layups go, that was a tough one. He had to kind of bend himself to get in position, but yeah, uh, you know, maybe <laughs> I guess you just hope like that, that was a, a little bit of a learning experience. Last yeah. time they kind of had a last shot tire late in the game situation. They screwed it up the first time, got it right the second time. Yeah. So want to invite you guys in, in, and there are some questions and comments, and we are definitely going to get to them. Want to want to kind of finish wrapping up some thoughts from last night, but but please continue to to post those. We see them. We'll we'll add them on. We just can't do it in real time uh, as we're kind of going throughout the show. But um, so the last possession, obviously, we've we've kind of buried the lead, but we're going a little bit chronologically here. Um, the first thing, and I didn't really notice this until I looked back. I saw a highlight of the play this morning. In, I'm going to say, 50% of the college basketball games I've seen this year, they call a charge on Xavier Pinson. Because he gave the ball up, and he ran into a guy from Bradley. And if they would have called it, it wouldn't have been the worst call I've ever seen. But consistent with the way they officiated that game last night, they let them play. and, and, And it was actually... An enjoyable, despite the fact it was 54 53, it was an enjoyable way to watch because it wasn't all at the free throw line. Like they actually yeah. let the game unfold. And then, like you said, Tillman, I, I mean, under the basket and kind of leans backward. And, and I mentioned this, and, and I think we've talked about this over three years. Like people underestimate how skilled he is offensively. I mean, that was, that was a hell of a move to, to even get in position. And then goes to the line and and makes the free throw, which uh, you know I I think it, he came into the game shooting thirty seven percent before last night. So mm-hmm. nice job by him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think Jeremiah Tillman definitely gets the relation the uh, reputation of kind of you know being a little bit of a bull in a china shop just because mm-hmm. of all the fouls. But he's always been very athletic and skilled. It's just I think it's more you know mental lapses that that lead to some of the fouls and just you know playing too aggressive at times. Uh, but he's always been very athletic for his size, and and that was a nice play. You know, good for him, a, a senior. Obviously, he uh, you know he, he was a big part of that comeback in the second half. To your point on the foul on Tillman, I, I or sorry the the no Pinson. call with yeah. Pinson. I, I actually I saw that right away, and I was you know. I was glad they didn't call it. I, yeah. I don't like charges. I think they're called far too often. Um, I think most of them should just be no calls like that one was. I think charges are called too often. I think blocks are called too often. But especially when you no longer have the ball, I hate the call. So yeah. I was glad they didn't. But you're right. that I, I mean, like, you know, there is – if you're saying that, you know, that the, the, I think like, I think Jeremiah Tillman got fouled too, but if you're saying I could easily see a scenario where, you know, a different set of officials watches those two plays and decides that the foul call is on Pinson and the no call is, you know, on Tillman. Yeah. So Missouri gets the win They're They're still undefeated. And, uh, you know, but you mentioned the the Tillman's fouls. Cause like, yeah, it's a thing we get it, but when do we kind of stop complaining about Jeremiah Tillman fouling too much and kind of start talking about how Drew Smith can't stay on the floor almost ever. Yeah, it's a, that's a big issue. I mean, you just, you, you not rarely see that from a point guard and you shouldn't because he's not put in a position where he has to, you know, help I mean, they're, out. And they're all trying to rim. get steals 40 feet from the basket. Yeah. And he's good at that. But at a certain point, you got to say, look, it's not worth it. We need you on the floor. 
So, yeah, I, I, no, that's been an issue, you know, all season. And, and really it was at times last year, too. Yeah. And uh, something you're, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, like, obviously, you, you watch your Smith, you know he's a, he's a cerebral player. He's a smart guy. I think at a certain point the coaching staff just needs to let him know, like, you know, we got we to gotta cut back on the, on the steal attempts. It, yeah, it, it, like you'll give up some of the steals to give up some of the fouls because the fact is they're not going to win a lot of games when he's as bad as he was last night. Now give him credit for getting the rebound with 10 seconds left, you know, that led to the final possession, but overall he didn't do a lot. So what, what we're going to do, I want to kind of sort through these questions and get to the basketball stuff first. And then, then when we're done with that, we'll, we'll go back and touch on more of the football questions and talk a little bit about the uh, football team. So, Travis Van Sickle asks, thoughts on Torrance Watson? Seems like a good teammate. Could have a big role next season. Odd man out this year. Could he still find a role as a shooter? Um, so, I mean, one thing that is noticeable about Torrance is, like, I saw the highlights. He was the most excited guy on that bench. He truly seems to be a good program guy. Like, it seems happy to be here and be a part of this and happy for his teammates and all that. Um, the easiest way to answer this question, because, like, it's a weird phenomenon, and, and Travis, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but it, we've got an undefeated basketball team that has basically a nine-man rotation, and the the guys we get the most questions about are Torrance Watson and Ed Chang. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the simple fact is you just can't play everybody, and, and Conzo has tried to play everybody for two and a half years, and it really doesn't work. He's got a defined rotation of the guys he likes and the guys he thinks give him a, the best chance, and... I don't know, Torrance Watson got in for like a minute in the first half last night, but he just, other than maybe end of half, we've got to have a shot. I, I don't know what his role is, and if, if that's his role, well, that's actually Mark Smith's role already. Right, so. right. that's what I was going to say is, yeah, you kind of already have a spot-up shooter in Mark Smith, and like, you know, I, I like not trying to bash on Torrance Watson, but he's just not that good of a shooter. I mean, right. I don't he know hasn't been in two years, but it's it's I mean, last season, I think he shot around 30 percent. So that's not what you want from a spot up shooter. I mean, yeah, I, th I think he seems like a really good kid, really invested. Um, I think, you know, he could definitely help out next season if, if the number of people leave that we expect to leave. Right. So you want to keep him around, you know, for that reason. But, I, I, yeah, I don't think you should be alarmed that he's not playing on, on a team that has a lot of really good guards and is winning all of his games. Right. And and Torrance has um, – I, I think his stats were a little bit um, accumulated in the way that Drew Locke is always accused of accumulating numbers. Yeah. Like, when the games were not very important – and sometimes they were against good teams, but, like – the end of his freshman season and the end of his sophomore season, Missouri was playing games in which it didn't matter if they won or lost. They weren't going to the tournament. And yeah. in those games, he shot the ball really well. Well, the truth is there's less pressure there because those and games just didn't mean as heavily. much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, if you lose those games, no big deal. So maybe shooting with less of a conscience, I think. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Uh Okay, rolling through. Stewart says the officials were kind of the opposite from the ones against Illinois and the opposite from the ones like ever that we ever see in college basketball. You know, I say that like pretending I've watched any college basketball games that Missouri didn't play in this year, which I have actually right. not done. But you know. Right. 
I read yeah, Twitter. I, don't, I, I, I did think it was pretty funny that we had a thread on our board saying the officials were good tonight when it when it's like, you know, yeah, the, the free throw disparities it, in Missouri's favor. I'm sure that, you know, the, if the numbers were exactly flipped, it, there would have been an absolute fury there, storm on the board. Oh, I, there were two. I, I believe it's fair to call them intoxicated um, Bradley <laughs> fans leaving the game last night, walking right by the press section. And they wanted to have a spirited debate about how bad the officials were. Um, one of them believed that when Bradley joins the SEC, they will get calls like that. Um, uh, that's sure to which happen. Which, look, Missouri fans would be saying the same thing if it was oh, reversed. Yeah. Like, understand, this is not exclusive to Bradley fans. But uh, so we didn't really engage those guys because we're trying to get on the Zoom call. Like I said, a brief half sentence to them, and that was about it. Um, and we got on the Zoom call and then kind of found out later in talking to Dave Matter, he said, yeah, did you know those Bradley guys were like, they were recording with their phone when they were yelling at us. So clearly they wanted one of us to like engage them and get really angry. And then I guess I Bradley fan 6912 or whatever was going to tweet this video of this Missouri reporter really being a dick. I, I don't know wow. what the end goal was. I feel like he really didn't know his audience well if he tried to get you to engage with him because you wouldn't engage with I, – I see, you know, most times, especially after the game when you're trying to work, you you really have no patience, even if it was a Missouri fan. You just Correct. Like, yeah, uh, I mean, you're out of here. It, I don't engage with you after the game. I'm trying Correct. to get done, much less, you know, Dick Bradley or whatever his name was. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting experience. But um, I thought the game was overall well-officiated. Uh. David Dowell says it feels like they've been exposed just a little bit. If they can't find a way to score in the paint against Tennessee, I can't see that game being close, barring an unusually good shooting performance. I mean, look, if they played that game against Tennessee, yes, they're going to lose. I don't think there's much question, but I, I actually think the opposite. Rather than being exposed, I think I've seen them play six games, and they're 6-0, and oh, and I don't think they've played their best game yet. Yeah, I think I, I can see, you know, the, the point a little bit from David. Like, um, Missouri has a clear weakness, and there's kind of a, a game plan now to to try to exploit that, right? Like, mm -hmm. they're, they're, they can't shoot from three, and so the game plan is try to, you know, pack the, the paint and dare them to shoot and don't let, you know, the guards get to the rim and don't let Jeremiah Tillman get going, like, um, you know, slow the game down. I think that's... that's Basically play a zone. Right. So I think that's kind of the, the book, you would say. But at the same time, if Missouri hasn't lost, it's hard to say they've been exposed. Right. You know, they, they've found a way to win. Yeah. And like, like you said, you know, if they shoot like that, they're not beating so, a lot of SEC teams. But, you you know, when it, when you're talking about, you know, a potentially a worse shooting performance, one of the worst shooting performances in the last eight years, you wouldn't expect a, right. a team to you know, replicate that, uh, you know, in SEC play. So I, I haven't – I'm not going to pretend to have – paid attention to every possession because usually you're watching the ball and stuff, but I'm, I'm interested to know how many teams have played zone against Missouri. And if they yeah. haven't, like, why not? What are you doing? Yeah. I, I mean, it's yeah. pretty clear. Yeah. I mean, there are coaches out there who, you know, that we play man or we play this, you know, you know, kind of zone man hybrid or whatever my defense. And that's what we okay. do because we're good at it. But uh, for the most part, I would think it would be an effective, uh, effective yeah. strategy. Uh, Todd Julian says chances Mitchell Smith and bugs come back next year. I mean, we don't really know, but here's the difference between the football players and the basketball players. Mitchell Smith can make money playing basketball somewhere next year. Now it's not going to be in the NBA, 
But whether it's, I mean, Turkey or Greece or France or like he can make money somewhere playing basketball and Mm -hmm. whatever amount of money he can make playing basketball is more than he is currently making playing basketball. I, it, it is, if there's anybody that could come back, I guess it's him. I mean, he's already been in college for nine years, so I guess a 10th year wouldn't kill him, but yeah, I think a lot of these guys want to get started and I, I guess Drew Bugs could. I I think Drew Bugs might be more of like a GA next year. Yeah, I, I think if there's anyone that comes back, it's Drew Bugs. I mean, like Mitchell Smith already declared for the draft once. Yeah, like he was true. already clearly interested in in going pro, and he's been in college. This is his fifth year. So yeah, I, I just like I think at a certain point you you just kind of want to move on with your life, whether it's making money playing basketball or making money doing something else. Right. Um, I I can see Drew Bugs. Yeah, coming back to like be like a player slash GA or just even the yeah, in a coaching role. Cause he's been very vocal about wanting to coach. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the you know, coaching staff would probably welcome him back as a player because we're expecting quite a few departures. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, 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 I would, I just, you know, Conzo Martin even said like, I have a hard time seeing a lot of these seniors coming back. They're going to be I, ready to, to get on with their lives. But I think it's honestly, if Xavier Pinson's going to leave and we think there's a better than 50% chance he does, like I'd be recruiting the hell out of Drew Bugs to come back because like, who plays point guard? Yeah, a freshman, hundred no, percent. Anton Brookshire. I mean, yeah. like you know, yeah, there's going to be transfers out there, but we saw last offseason. It's not easy to get the ones that are actually going to help. Right. So uh, I mean, the obvious answer is Cameron Fletcher plays point guard and shooting guard. And every <laughs> He's other really position. not a point guard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but uh, Greg Shackelford wants to know who can Mizzou consistently rely on when we need a bucket. Who's the guy? So I've got my I know my clear answer here. I I don't know if it's the same as yours, but I think it is. But I, I get I still don't know what you're gonna say. I mean, like like I I think that I think if you have a possession where you need a bucket late in the game, the ball is going to save your pencil. Yeah. It, it, he is he is starting with the ball. He may not take the shot, but he is the best at getting to the rim and making something happen. You know, either either getting the ball, you know, in the basket himself or getting making the defense collapse on him and dish it out like he did last night. We saw it last night. We saw it against Illinois where he took it himself. He made that really nice spinning floater. Like, I mean, he, look, he's the only guy on the team that has that in his bag. And he's know? also uh, the only guy on the team to me who has that take over a game attitude. Like. Mark Smith and Drew Smith are, seem to be very nice young men. Um, I, I like them. Uh, they've always been good to talk to and all that, but they are not, okay, we're down six. It, I'm going to grab this game by the balls and go win it. I mean, that's just not them. That's not their attitude, and Pinson has some of that in him. And I think yeah. to be that alpha guy that takes over a game, you you need a little bit of that. Um <laughs> And look, I think Drew Smith, like Drew Smith can get into the lane and he can make things happen. I just, yeah, I, I think like, you know, he's, if he does, I don't think he quite has the ability like Pinson does where he runs into a, you know, a bigger defender or a double team or something and just kind of like makes the shot out of nowhere with sheer athleticism. Like maybe he gets to the line. He's good at that. Right. But I, I think, I think Pinson's just a little more dynamic in that situation. Yeah, uh, Greg Shackelford's asking about Tennessee's defense, and and I, I'll be honest, I I don't really know yet. I haven't watched Tennessee. I mean, Rick Barnes, I think, is traditionally a man to man guy. Um, you know, I think every basketball coach is traditionally a man to man guy, except, except Jim for Jim Beheim, right? And and Tony Bennett is kind of famous for that pack line defense, right, and, right. and and Illinois has gone to a little bit more of that. But look, I, I think everybody at this point is going to pack the paint. And make Missouri because 
not only was Missouri three for 21 from three-point range, like, I could count on, I think, one hand the number of jump shots they made. There weren't even, like, 15-footers going in. At one point, they had, with about, I, I think it was at the under-eight timeout, I tweeted the shooting percentages. Missouri was six for 25, and I believe might have been leading in shooting percentage at that point. And four of the six baskets had been offensive rebounds and layups. Yeah. You know, um, but also last night they just, they were 10 for 25 on layups. So it's not like yeah. they were – Jeremiah Tillman missed a dunk. Now he got fouled, right. but it's not like right. they shot well from other places either. Yeah, but yeah, no, I think that's – like I said earlier, you know, we, we've kind of clearly seen this team has a bit of a weakness in shooting, and that's how other teams are going to attack them is by making them shoot over them. Yeah. Um, as, okay, so Jackson McNeil points out last night um, – he noticed Conzo pulling Bugs and Pinson in and out of the game late. I uh, think when you're star for offense, you have to have Pinson out there. Um, I didn't. I got some complaints last night that there was an offensive possession, and I think it was the one where Mark Smith took the shot that Pinson wasn't in. And, and I think the reason is that they had had, you know, they were on defense and Bradley missed a shot, so they didn't spend a timeout. Pinson wasn't in on defense. Bradley missed the shot. They just came down. Pickett was in the game. I, I didn't specifically notice Pinson and Bugs going in and out a lot, but you, when when you're getting late, depending on the foul situation, you're always going to do some offense defense, but I kind of agree with Jackson. I, I don't think X is a guy you can take off the floor much in the last four minutes. Not in a game like that where you're playing from behind and you need the points. I mean, you know, it's it's a little different if you're the team that's leading by, you know, four, six, eight points and you're, you know, I, you don't want to obviously take your foot off the gas, but if you're a little bit more concerned about getting stops than you are getting buckets, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I agree. I mean, we just laid out our case of why, you know, Xavier Penson is kind of the guy who needs the ball in those late game situations, which he showed last night. So, you know, he, he is still a, a tad undersized just from a, yeah. you know, a weight and strength standpoint. So he can be, you know, victimized at times on the defensive end. But, but yeah, I think in a situation like last night, you, you probably prioritize offense, but yeah. it worked out. Um, Bob Douglas is here to tell you Merry Christmas, Mitch. And uh, Mitchell Bennett thought he was talking to him. So. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, so, Bob, glad to see you here uh, celebrating uh, my parents' 48th wedding anniversary on the 573 report. So, uh, appreciate all you guys joining us. 573tees.com is the sponsor of this show, and it is also a website where you go to uh, buy things, uh, hats, shirts, hoodies, all that, uh, plenty of stuff, all kinds of designs run by a local guy. Right here in Columbia, Missouri, big Mizzou fan. He's one of you guys. Uh, he's subscribed to the site for a long time. So check out his website at 573tees.com. Order at this point. I guess it's like, a, I don't know, is there a holiday in January? Is President's Day? No, that's in February. My birthday. Okay. Bob buy Mitchell a birthday present. <laughs> Bob Douglas is smashing that 573tees.com button right now to buy, <laughs> buy Mitch a birthday present. So uh, go to go to 573tees.com. On the next episode, we will publicly broadcast Mitchell's address for you to send him. Uh, that seems unlikely. Send him his T-shirt. So, um, all right. So let's switch gears to football now, and, and we'll do this kind of reverse of the way we did in, with the basketball stuff because we've had a lot of questions that have been building up in here. So I want to get to your questions. Questions first, and then we'll kind of kind of have some 
leftover thoughts on football in, in the last week and all that. Uh, so Steve Winder uh, asks if Mizzou coaches are going to make a run at Mookie Cooper. We were making a joke before we came on the show that uh, I had just seen the fifth Mookie Cooper thread on our board. And, um, yeah, it's possible. I, I mean, here's the, the thing about, first of all, this is going to be the wildest week in the transfer portal that anybody's ever seen this weekend next, really the next two weeks, because now kids are going to get done with bowl games and be like, I'm out. Um, some kids aren't even playing bowl games, obviously. Um, so there are going to be people in the portal every day. And we are going to have four or five threads on our board every day saying, Hey, this guy plays this position. And I think we need this position. And even though I've never heard of him, like maybe he'll, he would come here now, Mookie Cooper, obviously different situation. Everybody's heard of him. He was a, uh, he was, I, I can't remember the high. Was he a Trinity guy? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, he's yeah. a five-star kid, I think. So. Four or five-star kid. Yeah, yeah. Not big, but, but a lot of moves really fast and, uh, you know, signed with Ohio state. I, I haven't looked up his numbers. I just looking surface level. It seems like Missouri would have some interest, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, yeah. he fits a position they need. He's, a good player. He knows a lot of the kids. I already saw Tyler Macon tweeting at him. I mean, I it seems like it would be a fit. Will they run make a run at him? I have no idea. Right. Look, the fact of the matter is, I mean, Missouri only has five or six spots left to add kids in this this offseason, and they're gonna add at least two more, I think, high school slash JUCO kids. It, one in the offensive line and one in the secondary, I think. So um and maybe one in the defensive line, although that could be a transfer or a JUCO or whatever. But like yeah, there's going to be kids every day who, like, on the surface, yeah, that fits the bill. That would mm-hmm. seem to make sense. But A, you have to, they have to, you know, prioritize them versus all the other kids entering the portal. And B, you're now having to recruit against a lot of other schools for these kids. Kind of like we're seeing in basketball, you know, yeah. I don't know if it'll happen yet in football, but there's going to be coaches who's, you know, are going to leave open spots, spots every yeah. year for transfers and make that a big part of their recruiting. And, you know, the more teams do that, it gets harder to land those kids, obviously. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Um, like, Mookie Cooper, you know, being from the state and, and being a high-profile kid, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I get, I get that it's not just, you know, average, like, oh, look, I saw this corner from whatever school's in the Porter. That could make sense. But still, uh, yeah, just a little bit too early to say. And I think there's three things you've got to consider uh, on these transfers. Number one, you got to figure out, like – is he good? Like yeah. maybe, I, I, I mean, okay. He's leaving Ohio state right now. Look, Ohio state has loads of talent and this isn't a Mookie Cooper thing. This is in general with any transfer. So why is he leaving there? Is he leaving mm-hmm. there? Cause like he just didn't good enough to play there, but he's good enough to play here. Or is he just maybe not as good as people thought and he couldn't play right. here either. So you got to think <laughs> about that. Is there some other reason he's leaving that, we need to know about that maybe fans don't need to know about, but the coaches need to know about. And then the third thing, and look, Missouri is not at this point yet, but Gary Pinkle's program got to this point. And the goal would be for Eli Drinkwitz's program to get to the point that you can tell some of these kids, yeah, you probably should have come here the first time. And we wish you would have, but guess what? You don't get to come here the second time. And I am not suggesting they should do that with Mookie Cooper. I'm saying three, four years down the road, if you've got kids from the state going to St. Louis and going to Oklahoma and wanting to come back, you hope to be in a position to tell them, you know what? 
you had your chance and you missed it, and and we really don't need you now. And and I know for a fact Gary Pinkle's staff did that with some players that wanted to transfer back after Gary had gotten that program to kind of a national stage, and that's where mm-hmm. you want to be at. Yeah, for sure. You know, like you said, that you know, no idea if that could be the case yet. I mean, probably not, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it certainly will depend on on what all's out there, and I expect this staff will. You know, wait and kind of see what all the transfer portal has to offer before, uh, you know, dialing in on a few kids. And obviously, Eli Drinkwitz and most coaches are not going to be thrilled with this. I think it's great. Like, I, yeah. I, I, I still see absolutely no downside to letting these kids transfer and not sit out one time, except for the fact that it's going to be hard for the coaches. And right. at $4 million, I really don't care if your job is hard. I mean, that's right. just, that's what it boils down to. Right. I also, I, I do think like, it's going to be crazy like this year and probably next year, maybe the next couple of years, but I do think it will, it will, you know, naturally calm back down a tad, maybe back to about the yeah. point it has been. Um, because as the, the one thing the coaches have pointed out that is accurate, there are not enough spots right. for a lot of these kids. You know, coaches recruit knowing there's going to be some attrition. And so, you know, they're, you know, the scholarship limits 85. They're losing, you know, 15 seniors every year signing a class of 25, planning for 10 transfers. That's, that's spots that, you know, people can't then transfer into. Not every person who leaves creates a spot for someone to transfer right. into. So I think uh, there's going to be need to be a few years of uh, learning that lesson before the numbers kind of slow back down a little bit. Right. For like every Kiki Chisholm or Davis Cutter, like there's a kid that's got to go the other way. Like somebody got to go from Missouri to Portland state, you know, um, and nobody goes into the portal thinking I'm going to transfer down a level. Um, the other thing is, and it really hit me answering a mailbag question. Like most teams are going to have like four seniors next year. Oh yeah. <laughs> I that's mean, be, the, the roster situation is going to be an absolute mess. Yeah. yeah. I, no, I, I mean, yeah, literally the only people who will be seniors are the ones who opt to come back after right. this year. So, yeah, and, and there's going to be multiple years in a row now where people are like, yeah, I'm listed yep. as a junior, but I've been here five or six years or four or right. five, six years. Like, I'm done. Like, I, you know, I'm just I mean, going to pretend I'm a senior. Yeah. It, it, like, next year would theoretically be Tyler Beatty's senior year, but it's just going to be his junior year. So, I guess we have to ask him if he's coming back after next year. I, you know, but then I would say, I would say realistically, it's just like, you just kind of have to ask like, no one is a lock to come back ever at this point. When do you plan to finally leave here? Are you on the Blutarski plan? Will you be in college for eight seasons? You know, uh, okay. So I'm going to say this is a highway law. I don't have any idea if that is the correct username, but Asking if Mizzou is still recruiting Kavon Billingsley. It's not a name I've heard he would be, I guess, in next year's class. So it's certainly possible. I, I just I don't have any specific knowledge of it at this point. Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard his name brought up at all. So Yeah, but again, you know, 2022 kids, honestly, Sean Williams has a good we're we're getting there. We'll get there when football season ends. But but Mitch yeah. and I, other than the kids who have already committed, really aren't super down that road at this point so mm-hmm. um all right rolling through here see if we've got any more football comments now that we're on that side of things and i think it is this is also telling just the comments you know it's it, it's very heavily slanted toward basketball but todd julian says sean robinson is my favorite player now i hope he plays well like it's not over the top to say in the mississippi state game he was the best defensive player they had right 
I mean, no, he, he certainly had the highest pro football focus grade, which I know those aren't gospel, but uh, he was, I mean, it wasn't even close. Yeah. Like he was, he was kind of the only player who really looked like he Did wanted he to be think? out there. He was flying yeah. around. I mean, he, he was tied, I think for third in the team of tackles and he only played, he played less than a half. So I think he will, I, I mean, yeah, I think he'll get some more time uh, in the secondary in the bowl game. Yeah. Um, Jacob, they might not have many other options either. <laughs> exactly. And, hey, maybe he can be a P. Like, you're going to be without some guys next year, Gillespie and Bledsoe and all that. And so uh, you might as well get a look and see what he can do. Jacob Estes is asking about Tyson Ford. I think, yes, he announces in early January. Missouri's in the top four. Um, I don't know. I don't necessarily get the feeling they're the favorite, but but I haven't been told that they don't have a chance either. Yeah, yeah, I think it's yeah similar read for me. I I don't know if it's January fourth. I feel like it's a little later, but anyway, sometime in January he's announcing Missouri's in the top four, but the the competition is fairly stiff. Like I don't, I think I think depends who you ask. Uh, you know, don't know that Missouri's out of it, but yeah, I wouldn't probably call them the favorite or anything like that. Yeah. So Travis Van Sickle makes a comment that like normally I might not put on here, but it seemed like a good opportunity to tell a story, which I feel like this, this is the fun part about like after guys leave and we're just sitting around talking on the internet. Like, I don't even know where this really goes. Eventually I guess people see it, but um, so we can kind of say things. Um, Travis says uh, sometimes a transfer might not seem like a great fit and don't work out or might seem like a great fit and don't work out like Alex Ross. So were you, covering the team yet in Alex Ross's season, Mitch, or not? No. Okay. No, I, I was uh, maybe a senior. That was 20. I feel like that was 2016. So. Yeah, I was, that was my senior year of college. Okay. So Alex Ross was the transfer from Oklahoma, kickoff returner. I mean, it didn't really turn into much, right? But, like, at one point, he had told this long, elaborate story in an interview about how he was some sort of relation to Josh Heupel, and I, I think there might even have been like a, a a holiday dinner involved. And basically, then like later, we found out no, that was like Hypo had no, that was just made up, like no connection whatsoever. So that was my Alex. That's the one thing I remember about Alex Ross's career. I I yeah. I, uh, I don't I think that was like the only time we talked to him too because he was hurt well, and it just didn't yeah. work out. Yeah. Now now former defensive end Trey Williams. Uh, Either right after, shortly after he oh, committed yeah. to Missouri, or when he was a senior in high school at Rockbridge, or whatever. Or I don't know if he was a senior at Rockbridge and had committed to Missouri, or he had gotten to Mizzou, but told a Missourian writer that he like worked at McDonald's and all this stuff and, and hid his football uniform football from stuff his mom, and like, but didn't want to tell his mom and all this stuff, and that or yeah. Yeah, I don't remember the exact story. Completely made up. Yeah. 100% false. <laughs> Amazing. It's a Which great is story, crazy. though. I covered him in high school and, like, well, and at Mizzou, but it, especially in high school where there's no, like, SID. Completely loose cannon. Very oh. fun to talk to. Yeah. It, it, like, great hit. No idea if he's telling you the truth, but you walk away, like, in a pretty good mood, you yeah. know? Uh, so, Greg Shackelford, thoughts on Florida football breaking the NCAA rules? Uh, impermissible contact. I'll be honest, man. Like a lot of that stuff, I kind of feel like goes on most places. I actually thought a lot of the penalties seemed a little bit over the top for what they were accused of. Uh, now yeah. the other thing is a lot of those penalties have already been served. So, right. Right. And a lot of them were like, no in-person contact this, this fall or this coming winter. It's like, well, no one's getting in-person contact. I, so I feel like you should be able to ban now. zoom recruiting now. Like you can't FaceTime yeah, a yeah. kid. You have to text. That would be him. a significant that'd be a real penalty. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah, know how I they'd mean, ever like, be able to tell, but 
Yeah, no, I mean, like, they had some recruiting weeks and, uh, you know, evaluation times diminished, which Missouri had, and the coach's claim was, you know, somewhat of an impediment. So really, that they got anything is kind of surprising to me. I, I didn't think there was a whole lot there. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, look, I know we love to jump at things. Like, I, I'm interested to see what happens with this Tennessee thing, because I have had some people say they think there's some things there. Uh, that are a little more serious than than like what Florida was accused of. So I, I'm interested. I mean, I don't know when the point of no return is for Jeremy Pruitt, but they've opted out of a bowl game now. I, yeah. I guess they let Jeremy have a Merry Christmas, and then next week it's kind of on notice, and let's see what happens, right? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it's it's uh, very questionable. And, like, I, I don't know. It seemed to me that they're – they started investigating that internally. Now, maybe that was mm-hmm. just like, oh, look at us. We're trying to, you know, be the good guys when they found out the NCAA was involved. But uh, it, that also could be someone being like, oh, yeah, by the way, I've known about this, and I don't want Jeremy Pruitt to be the coach anymore. So look right. what he's been doing wrong. We can fire so, him with cause. Hey, would you like to write a story about this? Um, yeah. <laughs> this would make a, a good headline. Yeah, there. Yeah. it seemed like there was a little of that. So. Okay, Missouri plays Iowa in the I, – I keep wanting to say the Outback Bowl because that's where I thought they were going to go for a while. It's the Music <laughs> City gonna, Bowl. You're going to anger people. I know. Like, I know this isn't going to be popular, and I want to be clear. I'm not saying this because I fear the virus is going to be spread by playing these football games or anything, but, like, what the hell are we doing playing these games? What's the point, right? I, I, I kind of don't get it outside of – the playoff, and I guess if you really want to play the New Year Six games, like I saw the RNL Carrier Bowl was on today. What, what are we doing here? Well, you know what the point is. Well, the I do know what the point, the point is. Point the yes. whole time. Yes. Yeah, to put games on TV and make money. Yeah, I know, but yeah. it all seems like Missouri Iowa is going to be a JV game next week. Yeah, that's the thing I mean, is, and and like you know, yeah. It, like Missouri's gonna have like forty-seven dudes. Yeah. Like, well, if not many people, if they don't have many virus issues, like it's it's uh it's it, it they're gonna be it's gonna be some bare bones rosters. Um, it it's not gonna be good football. And, and I'm not sure Iowa's gonna have a lot more because half their coaching staff has COVID. Some of their players do. They've got some guys injured. Like they've got the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. You telling me that kid's gonna play in this game? Come on. Yeah. He's. I don't think he's going to play in the game. Um, yeah. But it, he hasn't. I, maybe he's opted out. I don't know. I, I don't think he has. But, I wrote a little like scouting report on yeah. Iowa that uh, is running tomorrow morning, and I, I I did not see any headlines involving his name and the word opting out, so unless but I, I missed something. I remember specifically earlier this year when Eli Drinkwitz was talking about the number, and, you know, about that 53 is a little bit um, malleable. Uh, yeah. But But he did say kind of – you know, if you're getting to a point where you're putting guys out there who aren't ready to be out there and it's dangerous, like you've got to think about that. And so like, are, are some of these teams going to get close to that where you're just tossing, you know, the, the, the walk on that made the team last Tuesday out in a bowl game against a big 10 team. Like you got to kind of think about it. Yeah, for sure. And it kind of depends on the positions where you're impacted. Like, you know, like Missouri wasn't the secondary last week. I guess that's not dangerous. It just gets 
kind of embarrassing because you can't cover anyone, but you're not like, right. you know, it's not like, like if you have, that's why I think, you know, those positional thresholds were put in place by the SEC. And that was more Drinkwitz's point was like, that's where we're, you know, like they had to cancel the Georgia game. Like that's where we're not just going to go out there with who we got and give it a shot because literally, you know, our walk on defense, whack up defensive linemen are going to get trampled or our quarterback's going to get killed if right. we can't field an offensive line. And so, look, the, the the Music City Bowl, and it's not specific to the Music City Bowl, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, the Pinstripe Bowl, the Cheez-It Bowl, these bowls are always meaningless. Like, I could literally not tell you who won one in, in any given year. If I said 2017 Music City Bowl, there's zero chance you could tell me who played in it. Oh, no, no, right. not, not any year ever. No, right. Unless unless Missouri was in it, and I covered it, which obviously hasn't happened. Right. So, point being... They don't mean anything in any year, but like even in Drinkwitz's press conference, I could kind of tell he understands like there's a game and they keep score and we're going to try to win, but like kind of realize what we're doing here, guys, Which, yeah. you know, we, we mm -hmm. might not win and that's okay. Yeah, he basically he said like, yeah, look, we're sending our players home, you know, then we'll get them back home again for New Year's. That's great, and you know, we're gonna they're gonna enjoy this trip. We're gonna enjoy this trip. I'm taking my family, and yeah. you know, we're going on the water slides, and, and we're gonna try to win, and that's about that. And yeah. uh, like obvious, like you know, he does have financial incentive to win this game, and I think that's right. you know, I I'm not saying he's like you know putting a team out there just for that reason. But like, I'm sure that gives him some incentive to try to play, but I don't, I also didn't get the sense that, yeah, I, I, like you said, he's, uh, he's, he's not setting an unreasonable expectation. Here. Right. And like these kids have pride and, and they want to win. Don't get me wrong. And, and Drinkwitz is going to win, but have we ever seen a college football coach and we're seeing them all over the country. Now it's not just Drinkwitz going, yeah, we got a game in 10 days, but like, I'm gonna let my guys go home for three days. You yeah, know, I mean, that's never happened in the history of college football. Right. But you know what else has never happened is this season, this, you know, right. where kids were basically, you know, shuttled back and forth right. from their homes to the, the football facility and nothing else. Yeah, no question. And so that's why, look, I don't have a problem. I mean, Larry Borum said in an interview with, with Peter Baugh over on The Athletic, like, I'm going to go to California and train for the draft. And so the reason I'm skipping the bowl game is I want to spend a few days with my family. Like, not one person on planet Earth can take any issue with that whatsoever, right? Right, right. I mean, I, I would I would. I mean, not. yes, they can. They're on Twitter. Somewhere, someone can. <laughs> but they shouldn't. Um, and right. Nick Bolton, I mean, I, you can't find a guy who's given more to this football program over the last three years than Nick Bolton. No, I think and, your average potential first-round pick would have, you know, maybe not played this season at all, but certainly after he got dinked up against Arkansas, just hung it up right then and there. So, yeah. Yeah, he's 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 definitely fought through some pain this season. Yeah, he was not the same guy. And look, the the goal for Nick Bolton is I need to be one hundred percent for the NFL Combine in February, March, whenever that is. I like Nick Bolton. This might be too far. I might be speaking for Nick Bolton here, but I don't think he grew up dreaming of playing with forty seven teammates in the Music City Bowl. I think he grew up dreaming of playing in the National Football League. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure it's hard. Like, I, I'm sure it's, you know, you, you don't want to, you know, be the guy who everyone can say, oh, he quit on his teammate for a game. But like, I, I'm certain that not one player on the Missouri team would, no. you know, I'm, they would all understand that move. I, right. I sure certainly would if I was his teammate. And all these opt outs and all that, like, again, every situation is different. 
what applies to one doesn't necessarily apply to the other, you know, and, and I don't think, I think if you make any statement about all of them, like you're just asking to, to make yourself look bad because every situation's different. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, they'll play next week. We think, I mean, they're still, (laughs) do we know, like, is there a certain day by which Iowa would have, would have to say, yeah, we can't do this. I mean, because in the SEC, it was, what, five days before game day. So five days before game day is Friday, which is Christmas Day. I mean, I don't really think what the Music City Bowl people want to spend their Christmas morning doing is calling UAB to see if they want to fill in in the Music City Bowl. Yeah. But I mean, like, I'm sure the bowl people will push them to, like, give them an answer at some point. But, like, realistically, like, they might not know. Like, Missouri's... You know, not getting everyone back on campus again until December Friday 25th. Night. They'll, yeah. they'll test the 26th or get results back the 26th. Like, they might not know right. if they – like, they'll plan on playing, but if they have a rash of, you know, positive tests after people at home, they're not going to know right. that until, you know, maybe Sunday. So, right. same – I'm, assume, I'm yeah. sure I was in a similar boat. Like, I, I yeah. think at this point you're not – the, the, the chances of all of a sudden like swapping out opponents is pretty slim unless someone can do it on like three days notice. It's just yep. like, you know, if the two teams can play great, if one of them drops out the game, it's probably not happening. It would be kind of cool. And this would be a better scenario if I could name a single player on UAB's team. But like if, if, after the national anthem, UAB just ran out of the other locker room in the Titan Stadium, and it's like, all right, we're here. Let's go. You thought you were playing Iowa, but you're not. You got no game plan. Let's go. That would be kind of fun. I would like that. And like, yeah, total. Like, even we we find out beforehand. Like, yeah, Iowa's not playing, but we're, it's a right. mystery opponent. We're not telling right. you who. And then and then when UAB runs out, Missouri's like, no, we didn't sign up for this. We opt out. We choose the Outback Bowl now. And whoever's in the Outback Bowl just doesn't have a game anymore. They well, got to fly into Nashville. Yeah. Um, it, it should be bowl port, bowl transfer portal. I'd be on board with that. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I think the goal is going to be that maybe we take a couple days off here. We'll have stories on the site. Don't get me wrong. Um, things will happen. But I, I think ideally we're not going to do much until uh, Sunday when they have some some media opportunities before the bowl. Um, you know, Mitch, I know your family's out there. I hope you all have a good Christmas. And uh, I don't know, man. We've gone an hour. That seems like a long time for December 23rd. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks. Uh, Merry Christmas to you, too. Uh, Hopefully, yeah, no news happens for the next few days, and we can kind of unplug for a little bit. That would be a good Christmas present. I mean – Maybe somebody will commit. Sean Williams can cover that. You know. Yeah, but. yeah, that's his. You know, that's his <laughs> when we say nothing will happen, like uh, that'd be okay. But uh, again, like to all you guys watching, appreciate you joining us here um, tonight and, and all year, and hope you guys all have a good Christmas. Before you leave, hit the like button. We will be back here in 2021. Um, we're going to continue to do this every Wednesday uh, through basketball season, certainly, and I don't know, maybe through the off season. I mean, I think they paid us to do it every Wednesday so we'll we'll, uh, we'll probably continue to do that and, and figure things out going forward so appreciate all you guys being here before you leave like subscribe do all those things that uh, make Mitch and I famous on YouTube and make people like Bob Douglas find our shows and uh, pick them out so we'll talk to you next Wednesday <laughs>